Detox connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This Life Science Focus podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing vaccine disinformation and the details of Pfizer-BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine trial results. Enjoy the show. Great. So hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Life Science Podcast. I'm Aisha Rashid, Senior Life Science Journalist at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Sydney Perlmutter and Mira Nabulsi. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start off with a very interesting and very important story um, based on the identification of the so-called disinformation dozen. And this disinformation dozen is a group of 12 people or groups that have been identified in a report from the Center for Countering Digital Hate and the Anti-Vax Watch. And so this report has identified uh, a dozen or so individuals dubbed the disinformation dozen, and they're uh, responsible for spreading up to 65% of all online anti-vaccine information. So this disinformation dozen identified by this report includes influential anti-vax leaders such as uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Joseph Mercola, and tie-in Charlene Bollinger, among others. And so their draw in popularity um, has really increased, especially throughout this pandemic, uh, as witnessed in their uh, increase in their online followers, which have grown significantly during COVID-19. So apart from these personalities, uh, there are many others who, you know, are have been peddling miracle cures and pandemics hoax theories during this pandemic. So this report found that despite social media Platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, and Google having pledged to remove vaccine misinformation from their platforms and uh, really looking at repeated violations of the social media platforms' uh, terms of service agreements, most of these dis- most of the uh, disinformation dozen are still present on the sites, um, and this is of course, a reason for concern. Now, the report that came out from the Center for Countering Digital Hate and the Anti-Vax Watch also uh, found that up to 73% of Facebook's anti-vax content originates from members of uh, the disinformation dozen group. And so in their joint report, these two groups are calling on social media giants to remove the accounts of these people that are behind the majority of anti-vaccine content on the platforms. Um, And more so, um, after this report came out, U.S. House Representative Michael uh, Mike Doyle actually led a nearly six-hour-long hearing in Congress, um, outlining and warning of the dangers of the spread of misinformation online and demanding a stop to it. So, in his opening statement, he said that our nation is drowning in disinformation driven by social media platforms that were once used to share photos of kids with grandparents are all too often havens of hate harassment and division. 
Uh, and he says that the way he sees it, there are two faces to each of the platforms. Fam Facebook has the family and friends uh, neighborhood, but it's right next to the same neighborhood where there where there is a white nationalist rally every day. So really, um, he brought to light the 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 immense concerns about disinformation. And as I mentioned before, I couldn't have been more um, apparent or it's been fueled even more so during this current COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and anti-vaxxers and anti-vax groups have really um, been adding fuel to the fire, of course, uh, given their vendettas against uh, vaccines. And this has really driven a lot of misinformation um, about the COVID-19 vaccines themselves uh, during the pandemic, which has been a huge disservice um, in terms of really um, the importance of, of the vaccines and helping to end the pandemic. And you have these kinds of individuals and groups uh, that are notorious already for being anti-vaxxers and they've uh, just, um, again, been doing a disservice uh, during this current pandemic. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on this disinformation dozen. And do you think governments are doing a good job of trying to remove governments and the social media platforms themselves of trying to remove these people? And, um, you know, to play devil's advocate, although this disinformation is quite dangerous, um, do you think people can, you know, come in and say, well, freedom of speech, right? Um, so in that context, what do you think? Um, how do we sort of handle this kind of disinformation um, in light of all of these differing opinions? I think it's crazy that so much of this disinformation is coming from so few, but it's being disseminated so widely. Um and that's a really great question um, about, you know, freedom of speech and what we can do. And to that, I would just say we can't necessarily make people feel bad for um, being skeptics or even anti-vaxxers. I think that's the wrong approach. Um, and no one wants to hear you're wrong. Your opinion is is dangerous, etc. So I think you know, if, if we're going to change any minds, it has to be done on a really personal level. And I think there needs to be better conversation about why people are anti-vaxxer or why people um, are skeptical of certain vaccines so that the scientific community and governments can understand or listen to their point of view and then counter, you know, counter uh, their opinions with factual evidence. I think people want to see evidence um of effectiveness and just, you know, that, that they're not dangerous. Um, and I also think a lot of people are, you know, there are certain reasons, of course, that we know of that people will not be getting vaccinated. There's allergies, um, you know, predispositions, uh, other things like that. And I think there also needs to be a better way of, um, you know, because you can't tell when someone got the vaccine or someone didn't or will or won't. You can't tell physically. So there's I feel like there's got to be a better way of not judging people for legitimate decisions that they've made. It's there's so much nuance with this, but those are my initial mm -hmm. thoughts. Yeah, I think um, because of the easy access of information, people are entitled to their opinions. And I think in that sense, um, 
you know, the rights and freedom of, you know, um, spreading your opinion or saying your opinion or whatever is allowed. But the misinformation and or the disinformation, as you put it, and spread of information that is inaccurate or not correct, I think that's where a line needs to be drawn. Because there has always been anti-vaxxers, whether that's towards, you know, TB or like whatever vaccine that's ever been around. There's always a group of people that are always against it. So anti-vaxxers have always existed. But I think because we're in such a like a long pandemic and we're trying to you know hit a herd immunity and we're trying to encourage not maybe not encourage but tell people the correct information about vaccines spreading wrong information I think that's going to set us back and make us stuck here for even longer and so I don't know how places like Facebook and things could combat that because they did stop or are trying to stop the spread of fake news right but the spread of opinions um i have no idea how that challenge will be uh will be tackled yeah when those opinions um are based on disinformation or and are not factual i think mira as you said i think that's where the line has to be drawn and i'm actually kind of surprised that you know facebook and other social media platforms had announced oh you know we're going to combat misinformation but then this disinformation this notorious disinformation doesn't um their accounts are still active so you know um I'm not quite sure how they're dealing with this. And, and you know, a lot of the anti-vax information or disinformation, rather, is stemming from just this specific group, according to the report. So you would think it would be easy to target uh, the group pretty easily. But I'm really not sure what's going on behind the scenes. And, yeah, like I said before, it's a huge disservice, especially during the pandemic, as we're trying to get out of it. Um, and then you anti-vaxxers have always existed, yes. Um, but right now, uh, they're, you know, being as loud as ever, and they're just spewing disinformation based on um, incorrect uh, assumptions and opinions that are not based on facts. And I think that's um, I, I really liked how you put that mirror that, you know, that's where the line has to be drawn. So um, I just hope that uh, these social media platforms um, can, you know, remove these groups. And sure, there's uh, freedom uh, of opinion and uh, um, an expression, but I think um, doing a disservice by spreading incorrect information is harmful and dangerous. I think another thing that we should point out is the idea that um, misinformation is being spread, but there are um, debates going back and forth on the internet that I'm constantly seeing um, on posts like this between scientists and people that don't know much, for example, that are also raising um, awareness about specific issues and topics. I'm not saying, you know, we should encourage disinformation or anything like that. But I think now, like you said, anti-vaxxers are really in the light and so people are listening but they're also wanting to know the factual stuff about Mm -hmm. things so i wonder what the search volume is for things like um things that you know these uh, disinformation doesn't spread and then what people are googling to see what the true information is about that you know piece of content i don't know I, i i think social media has become you know the main driver of all these conversations and i think changing the information that anti-vaxxers are spreading to 
beneficial information could be a way to spin things. Um, but yeah, just trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Mira, that's, um, I'm not sure if you watched this video or you, Aisha, but um, there's a YouTube channel called Jubilee and they bring people together to see if they find any middle ground on their very two separate opinions. And there was a recent episode where um, scientists, or sorry, uh, uh, doctors and a nurse were talking with people who were uh, not going to get the COVID vaccine. And I was expecting it to be sort of a conversation where no one really changed their minds, but it was actually a really insightful and an open discussion where there was not too much judgment and they were able to find middle ground. So I think it's possible um, as long as you can sort of empathize with the other side. And I think one thing that brings a lot of um, them together, vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers, is um mistrust in government and how government has handled the pandemic. I think everyone can agree that that at some stage it was mishandled and um, everyone can, you know, probably agree on that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, finding that middle ground and and getting people to, you know, figure out, I guess, reliable sources, because this misinformation yeah. is obviously being spread on sources that are not reliable and some people cannot discern between what is and what isn't. So that's another huge step. Um, and yeah, anti-vaxxers will, will always say like, we're the truth seekers. Like we're just trying to tell you what people have been lying about, but it's frustrating to hear that because oftentimes it's, it's not the truth. Um, but some people don't know whether it is or not. And they're in a very vulnerable position Mm -hmm. right now. Um, and don't know what to believe. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important to make the distinction between uh, those two very different groups of people. One are the staunch anti-vaxxers who are, you know, behind, you know, really driving an agenda. And then those people who have legitimate concerns, who have Mm -hmm. legitimate questions. And it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, as a, a writer, journalist, and with the science background, really talking to people about the vaccines, you know, based on, you know, what I know and what I've been reporting on, people do have, though that latter group, you know, they do have legitimate questions. And it's it's very heartening to see that when you're able to just, you know, clarify something about a vaccine trial or how they were developed or what's in the vaccine, uh, in a given vaccine, it's, it's really great to see, you know, people go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And people becoming more comfortable with, um, the idea of getting vaccinated. And so it's really important to make the distinction between those two groups and the people with the legitimate concerns. Um, they should be coming or going to the appropriate sources and the appropriate professionals, not governments per se. There's a lot of issues and distrust there, um, as opposed to getting their information from anti-vaxxers and anti-vax uh, sites and on social media. So that's really important, number one. And um, the other thing I was going to say is that, um, yeah, it, it's just um, during this pandemic, it's just been really, really difficult to sort of um, have these campaigns, uh, these anti-vaxxers. It's, it's, it's been a field day for them, right? Because this is what they've been doing for years. And then so we have yeah. these COVID-19 vaccines. And so they're just, you know, driving it home with, with it. So 
Yeah, it's really important. Um, and to replace that disinformation with information, I think that's kind of a struggle. Um, how do we best do that? Um, you know, we have these fringe groups that are so loud, um, few in number, as we've been seeing, just a dozen that are driving 65% of all online anti-vaccine uh, disinformation. How do we thwart that with information is kind of the question. Um, and I don't think governments have been doing a good job of that at all. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because we, uh, you know, every Saturday here in Toronto, there's some sort of protest going on, but there's never anything going on promoting vaccines or things like yeah. that. Yeah, I guess because, <laughs> you know, pro-vaccine is kind of the majority or I would hope it is. But mm -hmm. yeah, they're much more vocal and loud because they want to be heard and they want to be believed. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, people who are going to get the vaccine, there's not as much to prove there. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point, too. Um, but unfortunately, those vo voices can be very loud, right? Mm -hmm. Even though they're few yeah. number. And so this report really echoes and highlights that the dangers of that, even though they're a small number, but they can have a big impact. So. Yeah, so something to look out for moving forward and continuing the vaccine conversation. Um, there's some there has been some great news coming out from clinical trials for various vaccines. Most notably, Pfizer last week released uh, a bunch of new data from their ongoing phase three clinical trials. And so they reported on a number of different things. One, they were able to show that uh, they actually have trials going on for their mRNA vaccine in kids. So they reported that their vaccine seems to be almost 100% effective in kids between the ages of 12 and 15, which is welcome news because I know a lot of parents uh, had concerns over whether the, the vaccine was safe and effective for children. And of course, children, although um, they don't get affected by COVID-19 as severely, they don't, they're at low risk of developing severe infection. Um, they are, it's important for children to be vaccinated because um, transmission to uh, halt transmission and to, uh, uh, for those purposes, of course. And so uh, that was um, highly awaited uh, news and results that um, were very promising. The other thing that Pfizer uh, also reported on was their ongoing trial looking at um, the efficacy of the vaccine against variants. And they found that their vaccine is actually 100% effective against the B1351 variant of concern, which originated in South Africa. So another promising piece of news. And they also presented long-term data. So that has also been a concern among many in terms of what are the long-term effects of the vaccine? How long will the, the um, effects of the vaccine last in terms of immunity? And they were able to report that immunity lasts for at least six months. And of course, these trials are ongoing. So, so far, um, things look very, very promising 
And although some other companies, some other vaccines have had uh, some setbacks, um, most notably AstraZeneca, with reports of uh, blood clotting um, in some participants or in some people who received the vaccine, again, these are very rare events and the incidence of blood clotting is... is um, quite low in the general population. And what we've seen with people who have gotten the vaccine, that incidence has been even lower. So these are just chance, very rare events that are not linked to the vaccine. But again, it can create um, hysteria of sorts. So I just wanted to get your opinion on, um, you know, it's exciting, but also it can be very concerning at the same time to see all of these vaccines having been developed um, in real time before our eyes and being tested um, and with results, you know, being evolving and coming out almost on weekly and monthly. So what, are, what is your opinion on the sharing of information? Of course, we need to have this transparency, but I think it's somewhat unprecedented in terms of how we're seeing vaccine development happen during this pandemic, right? Because we, you know, things like Tylenol, aspirin, other drugs, thousands of drugs are developed um, uh, on the daily, but we don't really hear about that process. So what are your thoughts on that in terms of, do you find it exciting to see all of this data coming out in real time and evolving, or, or, or is there too much information at times? I think it's super exciting. I think it shows the general public how a vaccine or how something is developed and then sent into, you know, into market. Um, and I think because we're all participating in this firsthand, it really helps us, you know, spread positive information, just like going back to like our other story that we were talking about. But I think it's very um, exciting to see science be in the spotlight a lot and people talking um on a more educated level about how vaccines are, you know, getting approved and what clinical trials look like, because it is a long process. And I think people don't realize how long things take to be, you know, um, available for the general public to use. So I think, yeah, it's really cool. I love, I not loved, but I was super excited about this um, data being shared, um, especially because of the, you know, how long this vaccine will you know, stay effective in people that get vaccinated, because that was always a worry, I think, is not knowing. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my opinion. I think your initial question of, is it too much? Um, and then, you know, sometimes it, they, it's being backtracked, because uh, maybe, oh, there are new results um, so often that sometimes the first reports um, aren't always accurate the next week or month. Um, and in journalism school, we were always taught, like, it's better to get the information right than to get it out the mm. fast. But this is a different situation because of how quickly things are changing. So I think in order to be an informed, uh, just, just citizen in all of this, is keeping up with the news too, because it changes, as you were saying, so often and new things are coming out um, on, on the daily even, um, that if you get invested in it, you have to stay invested in it so that your information that you're telling people potentially is up to date. Um, but it is very exciting. I'm, I'm, we're going through something that we've said is unprecedented and it's very interesting to see how quickly things have evolved. And we're really quite lucky that 
they have evolved as quickly um, as they have. And the only downside is that I have a lot of vaccine envy because there's really no <laughs> end in sight for, for someone uh, in my demographic to be getting a vaccine. And um, But when that day comes, it's going to be amazing. Well put. I think we're all <laughs> waiting for that finish for to get to that uh, finish line and um, to see, you know, that we have not one, but we have several vaccines. And in, you know, in less than a year, I think that's just nothing short of amazing. And echoing your points, I think it's super exciting to see um, everything unfold before our eyes in a way that we've never seen before. So it is new territory. And um it's led to some confusion, some mistrust among people, but I think as you know, we're a year into this, and I, I hope the hope is that people do realize that um, you know this is how clinical trials are run. Things take time, things evolve. You have data that um, is is changing, and that can change you know the the end results and the efficacies and things like that. So, and also trying and you know better understanding side effects. Um, and things like why uh, you shouldn't be jumping to conclusions if you hear a headline. And I think that's also really important. I think I've touched on that in the past, too, in terms of how we report things. And I think it's really uh, the onus is really on journalists and reporters to sort of um, stay away from the sensationalist reporting and to really try to grab the nuances, which I know it's kind of uh, difficult to do sometimes. But I think it's also important. I think we're all learning um, in this pandemic and um, to see science leading that way forward. I think it's been great. All right. So with that, uh, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Life Science podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thank you, everyone. And see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.